Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. He's always there for us. Well, can we pray? Is that all right? Can we pray together? Holy Spirit, you're good. God, you are good no matter what we go through, no matter our situation, circumstances. You're good. Father, I pray that you would meet us in this place. God, as we have the opportunity to look at your word, God, that you would bring it to life inside of us. Meet us here, we ask, in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. I'm excited to be with you all this morning. Merry Christmas. It's only been a couple days since Christmas. It's hard to believe. Uh, But Merry Christmas. Excited uh, to be with you. Welcome to the last week of our series called Unexpected. Uh, We're very excited about the series that's coming up here starting in January called Reset. Everyone say Reset. Yeah, we're going to take a reset in the new year, and so we're going to invite you to be a part of that. If you're watching online, we're going to invite you to be a part of that as well. If you're watching now, we're so glad that you are with us and that we're able to worship together uh, with you. So I have a question for you. I'm going to start out. We, 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 We just sang this song called Egypt. And in a moment, you might say, what does Egypt have to do with the Christmas story? We're going to find out. We're actually going to end with it. We're going to return to that song here in a moment. But let's start with the stars. How many of y'all got to see the Bethlehem star this week in the sky? Did anyone go out and do some like star watching uh, in the sky? My understanding, it's called a planetary conjunction. Uh, and it's where Saturn and Jupiter, the two largest planets in our solar system, kind of came together close to Earth, and they put off this really bright light. Well, I had a friend of mine said, go outside and look for this star. I'm like, all right, sweet, man. I'd love to go look at this star. And, and, and so I go outside, and, and I didn't see anything. How many looked and didn't see it? Yeah. Um, and, and so he, he's like, hey, you have to see this. I said, well, I can't see it from my house. I think maybe it was like low on the horizon and houses were blocking it and stuff. And he said this to me. He said, well, here's what you need to do. Take your kids and go to this spot. Go down the road, take a right, and, and in this field, and you'll be able to see it perfectly. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then I started thinking about how cold it was. And I did not take my kids to go see the star. It's a good thing that God didn't call me to be a wise man or a magi. Uh, to follow him, otherwise we'd be in trouble. But the, the star showed up in the sky, and everyone thought it was a big deal. And some people say, could it be uh, the star that led the Magi to Jesus? We don't know. It could have been, maybe. I've read lots of theories uh, this week about it, but it's kind of cool to imagine, especially uh, around Christmas. But the truth is, stars are significant to us, right? Every year we put a star up. On our tree, I'm going to show you a picture of uh, us putting a star on our tree. That's my son, Hudson. Uh, He's 10 years old, and now he doesn't need dad to pick him up to put the star on the tree. In fact, this year I tried to pick him up and say, here, let me help you, because he just wasn't totally getting there in this picture. Uh, Next picture, guys. 
And so we put a ladder up for him to do it. He's getting to that phase. You know what I'm talking about, right? He's like, Dad, I can do this on my own. But stars are important to us. We put them on our trees. Uh, it symbolizes the star that led the wise men uh, to Jesus. But I want to ask this question, what is the significance of the star? And I want to go back to early in the Bible in the book of Numbers. Uh, and there's this prophecy there in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17. Uh, and I'm going to read the beginning that's not going to be on the screen, uh, but the part of the screen I want you to focus on for emphasis. It says this, it says, I see now, but not now. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. You see, here's the truth about the star. In the Jewish faith, the stars actually represented or identified the Messiah. It shows who the Messiah was supposed to be. And now I'm going to geek out on you a little bit because one of my favorite things to do is to study history. Uh, and some of you, if you just raise your hand and say, yeah, history's not my thing. Uh, so bear with me. I'm going to geek out for a moment. Uh, because I think this is really interesting. We find in the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you're familiar with those, I don't know, check it out. Uh, there's this idea that a star identifies Messiah. In fact, even after the life of Christ, about 100 years after the life of Christ, there was this figure, and this was his name, and I hope I don't say it wrong, uh, Bar Kozib. And he led this revolt against Rome, and for three years, this, the country of Israel kind of had a military state, and they were able to keep Rome away. And so people looked at them, looked at Bar Kozib, and thought he was the Messiah, even though the Messiah had already come. And they named him Bar Kochiba, which means son of the star. Now the reality is for us, we know the Messiah had already come identified by the star. But a lot of the Jewish folks were frustrated because they thought that a Messiah would look like a warrior, would look a little bit different. And so they tried to identify this other guy as a warrior. He lost and he died. Uh, and he didn't raise to life. Uh, and so that was the end of his story. Uh, but I want to start now in Matthew chapter 2. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2 if you have them. I'm going to have them up on the screen or you can open up uh, your, your screens uh, if you'd like to do that. Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 12. Now I'm going to tell you, we're going to be blitzing through some scripture today if that's all right. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about and a lot of cool stuff to cover. And actually, I got up here a little earlier than normal and I plan on filling every second of this time. Sound good? No. <laughs> I think I heard someone in the front row say, no, don't do that. So I'm going to go fast, if that's all right. Matthew chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Isn't that weird? We'll get back to that in a second. The Messiah has come and they're disturbed. It says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house when they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The word of the Lord for you today. Here's the thing. I told you I'm going to geek out a little bit. Uh, the Magi, the wise men, the, the three kings that we've heard about, uh, that, we've, that we've talked about, that we sing about, people speculate where they came from. In reality, no one really knows. Some people, some scholars say they came from Persia, out of a place of previous Jewish exile. Some said they came from India. Some said they came even as far away as China. Some said that they were Jews that traveled to Jerusalem and they knew the Jewish scriptures. Some said they followed another religion. Some said they were Gentiles, people that had no relation with the Jews. Well, the truth is, it's really easy to speculate in scripture. So what I'd like to do is let's focus on what scripture reveals to us. What does scripture say? What does the Bible say? And what can we take away from it? Matthew 2, 2, it says this, when, he, when we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. That was their response. And the first thing is this, if you're taking notes, or uh, you can actually do that through your app. But the first thing is this, God reveals himself in unexpected places and to unexpected people. Pastor Dale spent some time talking about this at the New Year's Eve service. Not New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve service. And I'd encourage you guys to go ahead and uh, check that out if you weren't able to be a part of it. It's really good. Talking about how God reveals himself to unexpected people. I find it really interesting that God chose to reveal himself, his entry into the world to a group of shepherds in a field uh, and a group of uh, potentially Gentiles or non-Jews in the sky. That he didn't show up just for the powerful or for the elite or just for the Jews. He shows up for the oppressed. He didn't show up at the steps of the temple with a chorus of angels. And I think we find out why in this story. Because when the Magi show up to the king and they say, hey, the Messiah has been born. Their response wasn't celebration. We just read that their response is they were concerned. There was fear. They weren't sure what to do. And King Herod, man, King Herod was a dog. He was not a good man. He was more worried about his power. And so he says to the Magi, hey, you know, when, when you find him, let me know so I can go worship him. But King Herod was worried about his power, and we know from Scripture, we'll find out here in just a moment, uh, that he put a plan together to murder all of the boys two years and under that were born in that town. I could talk about Herod for a while. I'm not going to do that today. Because the truth is, I don't want to get off track. God went to people who were willing and humble enough to accept his leadership, his lordship. He chooses imperfect people who need him. 
How many of y'all would just be, if we're being honest, watching online, give me that thumbs up emoji. How many of you say, yeah, I'm an imperfect person? God shows up to imperfect people in unexpected places during unexpected times. Right, we can't say as a church that we're a bunch of perfect people. We're not, you know, I think sometimes people have the, the misconception that they can't be a church because there's a lot of people walking around and they're, and they're nicely dressed and they, they got that handshake down and they got that Christian lingo, you know what I'm talking about? Good to see you, brother. You may have heard it before I say it. But we're not Perfect. We're imperfect people, and God shows up to us in unexpected places. It's amazing to me the stories that I hear about people that God shows up to them in the craziest places. But the truth is, is God often shows up in the place of our brokenness, in the place of our imperfection, because that is a place where we're humbled and we're actually able to receive what he has for us. Talk about unexpected places and unexpected ways. I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with Pastor Jared who just led us in worship. He told us, he said, guys, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what, man? Tell us. Well, when you're watching online, we have this thing that we call a chat platform. Some people uh, utilize it through Facebook. Some people utilize it through the website or through the app that we have. And Sometimes the pastors will give a call to say, hey, would you like to begin a relationship with Jesus? And when we do that, uh, this icon pops out in the chat that just says, hey, if that's you, let us know. Do you want to begin a relationship with Jesus? Click, I said yes. And so this person that was watching online clicked into this thing and said, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. And Pastor Jared was on there, and, and they start talking. But they didn't talk in person. They started emailing each other over this chat platform. And so you want to begin a relationship with Jesus? Yes. What do I have to do? Well, say this prayer and mean it with your heart. And this person literally gave their heart to Jesus over a texting platform. Can we celebrate that? Come on. Yeah. It's unexpected. It's different. God meets with us in unexpected places. And I have to let you know, if you're watching online right now, you're not able to be in the room right now for various reasons. You need to know that you don't need to be in this room for God to interact with you, for God to meet you where you are, for God to meet you in your living room, in your bedroom, on your car drive, or, or later this week when you're finally watching the restream. God wants to meet you where you are. And sometimes meets us in unexpected places. But when he does, when God meets us, when, when, we, when we encounter the presence of a holy, amazing, loving God who reveals himself to us, there actually comes a response that has to follow this. If you're taking notes, unexpected revelation should lead, should lead to generous worship. I love what the Magi do in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 here. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's the truth. Worship requires something of us. Worship requires surrender. Worship requires action. 
surrender, the giving up of something, the laying down of something for something greater. It reminds me of this incredible story of Jesus that all throughout the Gospels, Jesus shows up and meets with people in unexpected places. But every time he does, there's a response that is required. You know that? That you can't just encounter Jesus. Either you will accept him, surrender, and worship, or you will reject him. There were actually people in scriptures that rejected Jesus when he encountered them. But a response is required. In fact, I love this story. It's in the book of Mark chapter 5. And Jesus goes across the lake and he goes to this town. On the outskirts of town, there's this wild man, this demon-possessed person. He's known from running the countryside and howling and, and, and cutting himself. And he was just a wild person, lost his identity, possessed. And Jesus encounters him and sets him free. And as Jesus is getting ready to leave, he gets back in the boat. This is what happens. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Makes sense, right? Jesus, I want to stay with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go, Jesus. But Jesus did not let him, but instead said, go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, that was representative of 10 towns kind of clumped together, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. When you encounter Jesus, there has to be a response. And one of the responses that we find is when you encounter him, we have to tell people what he's done. And so I ask this simple question that just as the wise men followed the star and found Jesus, can people follow me and find Jesus? Can people follow your life and find Jesus? Because I don't know of a whole lot of Bethlehem stars out there that people can just follow and then eventually find Jesus. No, God's intention and design is that when you encounter him, you become that star, that representative, that if people follow your life, that's scary. Road ragers, Jesus fish people on your car, that's scary because I mess up things all the time, don't you? But we ask ourselves that question, can people follow me and find Jesus? And now another question people ask, does reading the stars still play a part in our faith? The Bible says this, and it's beautiful, that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. If you've ever been out in the country and looked up at the stars, it's amazing, isn't it? You can't help but deny that there is a creator. But... I have to say this, you don't have to look to the stars anymore to find Jesus. 
There was a star that went up and the Magi followed it. But up until that point, Jesus had not come. And now that Jesus is here, we don't need to be looking for stars to find him. And I have to tell you, we've talked about 2020. 2020's been an interesting year, to say the least. Can I get an amen? Yeah. It's been interesting. And you know what people are looking for? People are looking for a sign right now. If you've been around people, they're looking for a sign. They're looking for something. Even some Christians that I know, Christ followers are looking for a sign. Imagine how terrible it is out in the world when you don't even have Jesus in your life. And so I get on people's Instagram profiles. And they say things like, and I don't pretend to be an expert in this. Well, my sign is Pisces. I'm a Leo. I'm a Gemini. Have you heard people talk like this, right? And and then they get their, their daily horoscope reading where the stars apparently tell us how we're supposed to live our life or how our day's gonna go or the type of people that we're gonna become. I have to tell you this. You don't need them. The stars do not determine your purpose, your traits, or your destiny. The stars don't determine who God has created you to be. And so why look to the stars for answers instead of looking to the creator of the stars? That's what God is calling us to. Because he's created you for a purpose. A plan. He's created you individually. He says, don't look at these other places. Don't look for these signs in other places. Look to me. Right? It's one of those moments like I have with my kids all the time. When I want them to trust me, what do I say? Look at my eyes. Right? Look at me. That's what God does with us. You don't need to look for all these other things and put together this weird philosophy of horoscopes or stars or signs or, you know, this cloud looked like an angel's wings this week or, you know, that exhaust pipe, you know, it looked like it came out in the form of a cross or I don't know. You don't have to look for signs when you can look our creator in the eyes. He says, I got you. I love you. Worship me. Right? The Messiah came. Now let's talk about the role of Messiah. Why did he come? Matthew chapter 2, I told you we're going to move through Scripture a little bit. Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 13, and I'm going to go through verse 15. There's a lot more stuff here. You see, what had happened uh, is, remember I told you that Herod told the wise men, hey, uh, 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 you know, let me know where he is so I can go worship him. And when Herod finds out that the wise men, I guess they were pretty wise, snuck off, he said, well, fine, we're going to kill every child there. There's a history with Herod of this, if you didn't know this. I'm going, I, I told you I'm going to talk about him. I'm talking about him. Herod had two of his sons murdered. Herod had 
His wife murdered at one time because he thought it was a threat to his throne. He had his mother-in-law murdered. Some of you can't imagine that. Kidding. In fact, it was said about Herod that it was better to be his pig than his family member. The fact that he had all of these boys killed was a Tuesday to him. This was the sort of person that we were dealing with. This is what Israel had become. This place that was supposed to be the promised land was now under Roman occupation, controlled by this puppet government led by Herod, and people were being killed, and they were extorting people. People were not able to practice their faith. Sounds like the promised land, doesn't it? No. But check this out. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Everyone say Egypt. Oh, no, 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 come on. Everyone say Egypt. Yeah, you got it. You're sounding good. Watch it online. Type it in the comment section. Egypt, I want you to hang on to that word because it means something. It's important that Jesus went to Egypt. And I'm going to tell you why here in just a moment. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt. Everyone say Egypt. Yeah, we're switching gears. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. You see, Egypt is a significant place for the Jewish faith. It's a place that represented their beginnings, their forefathers. But it was also a place that represented their slavery, their exile, their bondage, their oppression. And so when we read scripture like this, one of the questions we have to ask ourselves it's God, what do you want to say to me? And I have to say this today as it relates to Egypt and how they would understand Egypt. Egypt, for us, represents our past, our exile, our struggle, our oppression, our loss of identity. It's a big deal that Jesus went to Egypt because it wasn't just some random place to escape death. It represented so much more than that. In fact, the gospel writer, Matthew, starts to do some things that if you understand what happened in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, in Exodus, that shows a new Moses, if you will. You remember Moses? Moses was this boy that his mom had put in a basket to float down the river because Pharaoh had decided to kill all of the young boys that were born from the people of Israel. Sound familiar? Put in a basket. He went out into the wilderness and he came back to lead his people, Israel, out of Egypt. This is Moses we're talking about. He led them up to a sea. And that song that we sang just a little bit ago talks about how God parts the seas in our lives. And he led them to a sea. And through the power of God, they split the sea and they walked along on dry ground. And when they got out in the desert, they realized they didn't pack enough food and they were starting to get hungry. And so what did God do? God sent bread from heaven in the form of manna. 
He provided for their hunger. They went to this mountain and God gave the 10 commandments that we've heard about before. They faced obstacle after obstacle. And God was always faithful with Moses to lead them through. So in Matthew, now we have the fulfillment of prophecy, which quotes the prophet Isaiah when it says that Jesus' family flees to Egypt. It says, out of Egypt I have called my son. And the significance can't be lost on us that Jesus goes to Egypt, to this place, this place representative of exile, and he returns to Israel to give them a new law found in Matthew chapter 6. We call it the Beatitudes. People were following Jesus and they get hungry because they didn't have enough food. And he, and he takes bread and fish and he breaks it and there's enough to feed the 5,000 people there. Jesus is faced with crossing a lake and rather than splitting it, walks across the top of it. The new Moses, Jesus, the real Savior. Here's the thing. I believe that so often we feel stuck in our Egypt. You have an Egypt. You have a place where you feel oppression, a place of bondage, a place of exile, a place of feeling like you don't belong. How many have felt that this year? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand, but we felt this idea of Egypt in our lives. We've been told to physically distant, distance ourselves. We're told to go home. Where home was supposed to be a place of refuge and now we can't wait to get out of it. How many walked out of the house or tried to get out of the house as much as they could to find a reason during that quarantine, yeah? I can't tell you how many dog walkers I saw. We saw a spike in home conflict, a spike in depression, a spike in suicide, an increase in drug overdoses and in child abuse. Because we're not meant to live in Egypt. We're not meant to stay there. We're not meant to live in isolation. This is not God's plan for you. And one of the things that I found is that we're a pretty prideful people. We don't tell people about what's going on in our life. We want to follow what we call the American work ethic. And trust me, I got nothing wrong with the good work ethic. But we tell ourselves, I'm not going to tell anyone about it. And I am going to, you know, just pull myself up by my bootstraps. And I'm going to, I'm going to work. And I'm going to grind. And I'm going to get out of this. And we have people that find that they're not able to that they're not strong enough? Have you felt inadequate or not strong enough through this time? Because the truth is the American work ethic cannot heal your soul. You hear what I'm saying? The American work ethic can't just heal your soul. You need something else because it's not like Jesus, it's, you know, it's not like Jesus is looking at me saying, you know, hey, David, dude, you're struggling right now. Yeah, I know, Jesus. Well, you just keep working harder. Eventually you'll get there. Air five. That's not Jesus. 
That's not who Jesus is. In fact, we find that Jesus doesn't keep his distance from us, but he is near to us, that he steps into that place of your isolation, of your loneliness, of your brokenness, of your oppression. And that's why it's significant that Jesus went down to Egypt. And here's your next set of notes. Jesus joins me in my Egypt. I'm not talking about the geographical location. I'm talking about the condition of our lives. Jesus joins me in my Egypt. In fact, I don't know if you've got to check out the devotions that we've been doing every single day through the month of December. You can find them on Facebook, you can find them on YouTube. And I got to sit down this week with a man that I just really respect, and he's a, a wise sage. And normally when he speaks, you're like, yep, you're right. You know those types of people. And so I said, hey, can I do a Devo with you? And he said, dude, what are we talking about? I said, I don't know. Why don't you just tell me what we're talking about? He said, no, for real, what are we talking about? And I said, well, where's God leading your heart right now? What's going on? What do you want to share with our church? If you didn't see the, the interview devotion, I want you to go check it out. But it got really deep really quick. Because he looked at me and tears started to build up in his eyes. And he said, David, ah. Uh, this is my second Christmas without my wife. He said, the first one was hard, but I was sort of numb. And he said, now this, this one, it just hurts. It feels different. And, you know, immediately I go in my heart into like pastoral mode where I'm like, dude, it's going to be okay. And I, and I wanted to say all these things, but before I could say anything, he looks at me and he says, but... I need everyone to know this, that God has always been faithful. He said, God has never, ever failed me. He said, I'm going through some pain right now, but God has not abandoned me. And I want you to know, if you're watching online right now and you feel alone, you feel isolated, you feel forgotten, you feel like nobody cares about you, God has never abandoned you. God will never abandon you. God wants to meet you right where you are. And it took the words of this man ringing in my ears for me to even feel that sometimes. I had this weird encounter with God last weekend. I was sitting right over here, second row back. No, right over here. As if it matters. And I was having a pity party with God. You ever have a pity party with God? Me and God were having a real conversation. And I said, God, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of what's happening. I don't like it. What am I supposed to do? And I started blah, 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 blah. Yeah, throwing up all over God. And a surprising thing happened, and I don't normally get up here and say, this is what God said to me specifically. It's not like God, you know, wrote something in the clouds and put a sign in the sky or, you know, put a scrolling announcement on the bottom of my TV screen. ESPN style. But Jesus, I was talking to him, and I expected God to be angry with me as I was telling God how angry I was with him. 
And I got this really weird sense of peace where it almost felt like he was saying, hey, it's okay, you can be mad at me. I got big enough shoulders, I can handle this. And if you need to do what you're saying you need to do because you're angry with me, then go ahead, I love you. God? What? God is there for you. God is there for us. We are not alone. You are not alone. God doesn't abandon you. That's not who he is. God can handle your honesty. God can handle your frustration. God can handle your anger. But don't deceive yourself. Because you're not alone, because I believe the human inclination is to live in the past, right? Do we do that, right? Have you ever been to someone's house on Christmas and all they want to do is talk about everything that happened 50 years ago? And I think what happens when we live in our land of Egypt sometimes is we get to a place where we believe that the best part of our life was behind us. Isn't that crazy? I want to tell you this. Straight from my heart to yours. That is a lie from the devil. That is not from God. You are not alone. And God still has a plan for you, for your life, for your future. That you don't have to be stuck in Egypt anymore. That he's going to meet you right in your Egypt and say... If you're not dead, like Pastor Dale says, you're not done. And I have things planned for your life. I'm going to take you and I'm going to use you. Trust me. Sometimes we look for purpose in our pain. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Bailey earlier this week, our, our, our youth pastor. Dude, and she said something. I'm like, dude, let me write that down because I'm putting it in the message. This is what she said. She said, David, sometimes you have to go through your Egypt to get to your promised land. You know that? That if you're in your Egypt right now, it means that you're not to the promised land yet. That God has a place that he wants to take you. That he wants to show you something greater. And I have to tell you this, the next thing if you're taking notes, Jesus leads me to freedom, and I'm gonna say, in spite of myself. Jesus will lead you to freedom in spite of yourself, right? Because we make a mess of things. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time and last week I still sat down on that row right there and threw a pity party for myself and forgot about the faithfulness of God. We make a mess of things sometimes. We know this from the people of Israel because what happens is God leads them through the wilderness and there's this thing called tabernacle. And this tabernacle was this tent that everywhere they went, they took and they, and they set this tent up and the spirit of God would literally live on this tent. That God went with them wherever they would go. And, and then they would also see like the song we just sang a little bit ago. They, they, when they were being led at night, there would be this giant pillar of fire in the sky and they would follow it. Wouldn't that be cool? And then during the day, there'd be this pillar of cloud or smoke and they would follow that as well, that God actually went with them as he led them out of exile, out of their Egypt. And as God was doing that, they saw God part the waters. They saw God bring bread from heaven. What? They saw God help them defeat some enemies. 
And then they go to the promised land and they sent in their spies and they found that in the promised land there were giants. Now, logic would say, if it was me, I'd be like, okay, do you see us walk across that ocean? Do you see God send bread from heaven? You guys are toast. You're done for. Just go ahead and surrender now. But no. Even though they could see the presence of God and they could see signs and wonders, the Bible tells us they saw the giants and were afraid and they retreated back in the wilderness and they died there. You'd think, you'd think that signs and wonders would be enough. But we're human and we make a mess of things a lot, don't we? Yeah, gotta get an amen for that. But they had not experienced transformation internally. They saw things externally, but nothing happened inside of them. This is why I believe, and I see it all the time, people see miracles, see, people see people healed, see, people see people saved, and then two years later, they're not walking with the Lord. Why? Because they saw something really cool that moved them, but there was not internal transformation. You can see God move in a worship service and your heart be moved, but if there's not transformation, it doesn't matter. But I think something really beautiful happens. That is, Jesus is the new Moses. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, here's a pillar of fire, follow me. It doesn't work. But we find actually in the book of Acts, that after Jesus died and was resurrected and ascended into heaven, he told his followers, he said, hey, wait for me because I'm gonna send my spirit. And the Bible tells us as they were waiting in the upper room, uh, the Holy Spirit showed up in the form of fire. And little pillars of fire rested on top of the heads of every single person in that room. No longer stuck to wander in the wilderness trying to figure out a way, but God said, I'm going to meet you in your Egypt. I'm going to meet you in your exile. And you know what? I'm going to live inside of you. Follow me. Go with me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Takes us from Egypt. From our exile, from our oppression. And he said, I want to transform you personally, internally. I'm going to walk with you. Here's my question What is your Egypt? What are you walking through right now? Are you in a place where you feel isolated? Are you in a place where you feel alone, you feel abandoned, you feel forgotten, you feel tempted? What is your Egypt, where is it? Or maybe you'd be willing to say, you know what, I'm actually like walking with the Lord and I feel pretty good right now and praise the Lord for that. I'll ask you this question. What was your Egypt? Where did he lead you out of? Because I believe this with all my heart and I haven't spent a lot of time on this, that he will use your Egypt to lead others towards Jesus and out of their Egypt.
What is it? Or what was it? And God, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to do in my heart? God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what do you want to do in my situation right now? I'm going to ask you all to go ahead and stand to your feet if you're in the room. If you're watching online, do it too. Because we're getting ready to to revisit this song called Egypt. And as we sing it, I want you to reflect on the faithfulness of God, allowing that, that, that thing that I told you about to ring in your ears that God has not failed you. And he never will. You are not alone. He is with you. Let's reflect and see what God would want to do in our hearts right now as we sing. here yet because I want to ask you something what is God saying to you online if you're watching where is God leading you right now what does he have for you where is he he leading your heart because I I want to share this this prophecy with you I've shared a couple of those about a star 
and about Jesus, the son coming out of Egypt. But we find another prophecy from the prophet Isaiah that Jesus, when he went to his hometown and he went into the synagogue, they handed him a scroll. And I believe this prophecy is actually could be a prophetic word for you for 2021, for your future. As God leads you out of his Egypt, check this out. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor on your life. Yeah, we can clap for that. This can be the year of the Lord's favor. This can be the year that you're set free from your prison, taken out of your Egypt, where you're given sight, where you are brought out of oppression. This can be your year. And so here's what I wanna do. If you felt your heart moved, we're gonna pray. And I want you all to pray this. If you're beginning a relationship with Jesus, trust me in this prayer. Repeat after me or everyone else, you can say it too. Jesus, say, Jesus, lead me out of Egypt. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, lead my life. Jesus, I want an encounter with you. Jesus, transform me internally. May this be the year of my favor with you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Now here's the cool part about this song, is that it starts out talking about what God has done, but now there's a part of celebration of what God is doing and what God is going to do. And so we're gonna sing this last part as a song of celebration, remembering the faithfulness of God, remembering the victory that he is declaring that he has won for you over your life. That is his legacy, and that is what he gives to you today. Let's continue to celebrate as we worship together. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.